the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. We're going to get to the admission of having struck, the admission by the U.S. military of having struck a group of innocents in Afghanistan. It's not what Joe Biden said it was. Uh, We're going to get to a lot of the stories, the thousands of migrants who only Fox News is showing the plight of in Texas. We brought you the news that Andy shared from the Arizona border. There's uh, more and more and yet worse and worse. It's reminding me of another line from Harry Jaffa's in 1776. This country was nothing promising to become everything. Today it is everything promising to become nothing. How did that happen? Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. This Constitution Day. What does the Constitution mean to you? Open line hour, and in a moment, I'll give you a little bit of a lesson on the not some issue of slavery in the Constitution and that which most children are taught and taught wrongly. But first, David is in Glendale. Hello, David. Hi, Seth. Long time no call in. Always been listening, but just I'm the teacher in Glendale, veteran. We talked in the past. Nice, nice to hear your but, voice. Yes, sir. Thank you for calling back. But uh, today was uh, Constitution Day, but my school did their student council election today. Uh-huh. But even more happily for me, I don't know how it taught in the classrooms, but this morning, my assistant principal on the announcements read the preamble to the Constitution. That'll work. Over the entire speaker to the whole school this morning, we Spirit Day was patriotic colors, red, white, and blue. That and works. So that that just works. made me feel very good. What can, are you at liberty to say what district? I'm in the Glendale Elementary School District. Well, let's put out a high five and three cheers for the Glendale Elementary School District. Yeah, nice. it was just one of those things. Yeah, yeah no, nicely she, done, nicely reported. When I when I was listening and she started doing that on the announcements, I mean, I was already happy that we were doing the student council election. We're talking elections, Constitution Day, and that was in the the announcements for the day, the Spirit Day with the color. So I made sure I wore my USA jersey flag, USA number one shirt, my flag shirt underneath it. And my principal even commented, oh, I love your patriotism for today. Mm-hmm. They all know I'm a veteran. Mm-hmm. But uh, when she started reading that, I just, well, I was so happy and proud of my camp. Good. I am, too. I am, too. That's fantastic. Thank you very, very, very much. Thanks for reporting that. And That's a good school district right there. Shaniqua is in Buckeye. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. If not, please correct me. Welcome. Hi, you did really well. Oh, thank you. How are you? I am so good. When How you have you? a name like Liebson, you're 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 sensitive to mispronunciation, so I always, I always want to make sure I get it right. Yeah. You know, you know. Well, I'm a 48 year old woman with the name Shaniqua. Wonderful. So I I've lived my life. It's a pretty this name. Way. Thank you. I just you. wanted to share with you. A, thank you. I just wanted to share with you guys about what the Constitution means to me. Thank you. And what it means, it's a covering of 
because there's so many things that I am. I'm an American. I'm a woman. I'm a believer in Christ. And I am a, a firm conservative. And I'm also black. And so with all of those things, what I love about the Constitution is it gives me the, auto- the autonomy to believe what's right for my home, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Yep. Um, but it also gives us a guidebook to be able to operate within other people's rights and how, how they should operate. And we can come together as Americans celebrating our individual cultures and beliefs and all of that. I don't think America is uh, a, a mixing, like a melting pot. I think America is uh, chicken noodle soup. So, for instance, if you have chicken noodle soup and you forget the egg noodles and you put in a different kind, well, it doesn't taste right. But you can start adding things in there and get interesting with it, but it's all chicken noodle soup. I like what you're saying, and you can also end up by adding things that don't belong in that recipe to something other than chicken noodle soup. You can end up with a gumbo, couldn't you? You could, absolutely. But when you present something, it's like when you go over to somebody's house and you're cooking with them. If they say we're making chicken noodle soup, you don't bring stuff for mozzarella, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> um, so that's the same way of, of, of coming into this country. You want to be a part of this country, we welcome you. But you have to come through the door. You don't get to climb over the fence. My relatives, my family comes from Freedom Riders. I'm from Alabama. My family is from Alabama, the heart of civil rights. And and everything that the left has stood for, and people are confused. They think that the left has only started this mess for the past, you know, five or six years. They've been doing this to black people for 20, 30, 40 years. I'm only beneficial to them because of my skin color, not because of my intelligence, not because of my career, not because of anything else. That is, I I believe you're right, that you are important to them because of that. I also believe that the culture has done a trick by making people, um, by propaganda propagandizing people into thinking they know you and what you stand for and who you are based on your color and not your citizenship. Yep. Yep. But here's the thing. So I've been politically active my whole adult life. The first time I voted, I voted for Ross Perot. So um, I've been, I've been entire life. I've spent time in the black community trying to get people off of that democratic plantation. And, and what I've noticed in these last, you know, four to five years, uh, the, the nation itself has really begun to embrace what they think. And there's such a small amount of people with the loudest voices keeping us apart from each other. But every Trump rally I've ever done, every political candidate I've ever supported, I walked in there. They did not see my skin color. That's stupid. They, they saw me as an American. And people, once they get past all of the hierarchy of what's out there, they see that. That's what the Constitution stands for. We're all Americans. We the people. Shaniqua, that's beautiful. Did you, if I can ask a personal question, did you, uh, at least from your earliest uh, memories of, of political thought, did you always pretty much have these views or did you come to them later in life? 
No, I, I, um, I've I always had these views. It's funny because I grew up in a military family, uh-huh. uh, heavily Democratic. Um, I would say like JFK Democratic. Uh-huh. But, you know, like my, my father wasn't involved in my life, but my grandfather and my mother raised me. And my grandfather would always tell me, you don't bring anything in this house but Americans. Mm. You know, so I, it's every, now, even now, I don't buy anything that's not made in America. When, um, when, I've always flown an American flag in front of my home. Can I, I, I've never not been a conservative. What do you say? The, what do you say, Shaniqua, to people who, no doubt, you've run into, just as I have, just as almost everyone has? What do you say to people who say, um, "How can you pledge your continued support and be so up on a country that is inherently or endemically racist?" <laughs> That's a good start. You know, That's a good start. I like that answer. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That may suffice. That may just do it, Shaniqua. Yeah, yeah. You know, here's the thing: um, you cannot legislate the heart. That's the thing that people need to understand. Um, racism exists. It's out there. It's it's on all different sides. It's not just white people being racist against black people. It's black people being racist against Hispanics and against whites. And you know what I'm saying? It's a heart issue, right? Yep. Um, America is not systematically racist. And so if you truly, truly and honestly believe that, then by all means, buy yourself a ticket, (laughs) go live in the country that you believe is perfect, and spend a year there. I'll tell you why that's not a glib answer. I'll tell you why that is not a cheap answer. Because I don't know what it is the progressives want us to do to eliminate the kind of racism that you discuss. Yeah, the racism that still lurks in the evil hearts of evil people. I don't know. I literally don't know what more legislation could be passed. It cannot. And and that's the thing. You hold the person accountable. We have the right to free speech. We do not have the right to rid ourselves of the consequences because of it. And so if you remember that and you hold that person, you hold that person to the fire, then they have to pay the consequence of that speech. You can't call me out of my name and not expect for me to strike back at you verbally um, or to be in a work environment. No, I will not pick up with this and I will file a complaint against you. The thing is, is that what the left does, is they take something that you have absolutely no control over, and they manipulate it. See, I was born into a black body, but that doesn't mean that my mind is any less smart than you. And and here's the thing. If America was systematically racist, that means, in their minds, that I then have to acknowledge you as the superior. I was wondering what about that, that thought there, yeah. Yeah, it's an uncomfortable thought. Yeah, I was wondering about it. What does that have to do with it? the yeah. conversation? Yeah, yeah. They are the racist. They are the racist. That's what people need to understand. Anytime that you say something, you have a, a part of yourself that you cannot help, that, that you then have to acknowledge that it's superior to me, I am not oppressed in any way. No way. Well, the only uh, the only thing I, I want to say to you, Shaniqua, is uh, thank you for calling in. What took you so long? And please be a regular. <laughs> I listen to you all the time. I want to listen to you. I want to listen to you. All right. You take care, dear, and have a great weekend. And don't be a stranger. Fantastic. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Uh, as promised, on this Constitution Day, it would be a matter of some affectation to ignore one of the greatest uh, intellectual antagonisms of our time as we celebrate the con- Constitution, and that is the issue of slavery. The left, the Democratic Party, today believes the Constitution promoted slavery and thus is a corrupt document. Many of us think it did not and think it the most wonderful work ever struck off at a given time by the brain and purpose of man, as Blackstone put it. You've heard me often say the left today buys into the Confederate view of the Constitution, the Confederate view of the Constitution. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up because one would have thought by the end of the Civil War, we would have put to rest the notion that brought us the Civil War, the debate over whether the Constitution was and the Declaration of Independence before it a lie meant to extend and protect slavery or whether, in fact, the founders meant what they said in attempting to curtail and reduce it to elimination. That's why I continually quote Roger Taney in his opinion in Dred Scott. It's a terrible opinion, the Dred Scott opinion, and everyone used to be taught that and knows that. It read the Constitution to support slavery. There were dissents in that opinion. They're never taught. The sense that read the Constitution not to support slavery, but to allow it to exist where it was so that it would be restricted in its expansion and thus strangled to the point of ultimate and hopefully soon extinction. That was the position of the founders. That was the position of Abraham Lincoln, too. Not the opinion, obviously, of the Confederacy. It is an ongoing curiosity to me as to why the left today supports the reading of our founding and constitution through the view, the lens, and and the glasses of the Confederacy, which after all was not the majority of this country and after all lost the Civil War, supported slavery, and lost. It was not the view of Abraham Lincoln. It was not the view in the dissent in Dred Scott. It was not the view of Frederick Douglass. It was not later the view even of Martin Luther King. Our side, Kings and Douglasses and Lincolns and the founders won. Why do I bring up Frederick Douglass? Well, because he isn't taught much today either. And as he put it, though Colin Kaepernick chooses to ignore it and cut these segments out of his selective quotations of Douglass every July 4th, Douglas wrote, quote, in the founders' admiration of liberty, they lost sight of all other interests. They were peacemen, but they preferred revolution to peaceful submission to bondage. They were quiet men, but they did not shrink from agitating against oppression. They showed forbearance, but they knew its limits. They believed in order, but not in the order of tyranny. With them, nothing was settled that was not right. With them, justice... Liberty and humanity were final, not slavery and oppression. You may well cherish the memory of such men. They were great in their day and generation. Their solid manhood stands out the more as we contrast it 
with the degeneration of our times. In the Constitution, I hold there is neither warrant, license, nor sanction for the hateful thing, slavery. But interpreted as it ought to be interpreted, the Constitution is a glorious liberty document. That's Frederick Douglass. Who understood slavery and the Constitution better? Him or today's Democratic Party? He called it a glorious liberty document. Do the people wanting to tear down and who did try to tear down his and Lincoln's and Washington's and Ulysses Grant's statues last year and justify it know any of this? Do they know any of this or do they just side with the Confederacy unwittingly? In the end, Lincoln had it right, as did Frederick Douglass, as did the dissents in Dred Scott, as did the soldiers in the Union that defeated the Confederacy. They weren't weren't fighting for a corrupt view of man or America, after all. And what you learned in every school in America up until about 30 years ago had it right. This is a country that is glorious and glorious from its outset, just as Frederick Douglass said, yes, some could pervert and distort it. Hell, some can pervert and distort anything, including the causes of a car wreck. So I beg of you to see where we are. Go back and read Dred Scott, and then read the dissents by Justice McLennan and Curtis, and tell me who has the better view of our founding and history. Harry Jaffa put it this way, Justice Taney's opinion in Dred Scott was wrong for one paramount reason. He did not see the Constitution grounded in the principles of the Declaration of Independence, reflecting any standard of justice other than majority rule and positive law. He did not see the word person meant any human person, whatever his race, creed, or nation. In December 1860, Abraham Lincoln wrote to his old friend Alexander Stevens, who he hoped was still a friend and not an enemy. He wrote, quote, You think slavery is right not to be extended, while we think it is wrong and ought to be restricted. That is the rub. Close quote. Yup, that was the rub. The majority of the country thought it was wrong and ought to be restricted. The minority of parts of this country thought it was right and ought to be expanded. For some reason, the Democrats today take the minority viewpoint. And the wrong, distorted view, thanks to Abraham Lincoln through the years 1860 through 1865, the wrong and the distorted view was rubbed out. Why we cannot celebrate that takes us back to the whole argument about learning history, about which more I'll have to say, as well as about our Constitution and slavery when we come back. Welcome back. Portions of the show brought to you by Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs. The company I use, my friends use. It's a great company with an A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau. You're going to love these guys for all your roofing needs, replacement, repair, installation. If you have, they want me to let you know, if you have a foam roof that is five years old or more, it's time to have it inspected and recoded. The brutal Arizona sun beats on it. The coating starts to get little bubbles or holes. 
means you're going to find a roof in deterioration and disintegration. Before those leaks begin, give Trades Unlimited a call at 480-483-1775. That's 480-483-1775 for all your roofing needs. Tradesunlimited.com. That's tradesunlimited.com. Steve's in Tempe. Hello, Steve. Hey, Seth. How's it going? Really well. How are you? Doing good. I wanted to give you my thoughts on when you said it, talked about the Constitution. I, I think one of the things that is and has been really important for me being a military man's son is, and, and I don't know how many times I've heard this, but when you see a, a military man being interviewed overseas doing a, a job, for the for the U.S. military in a in a foreign country, and you ask them what's your primary objective here, the first thing they're going to say is their objective is to defend the Constitution of the United States. Okay, and that's right. That's it. a really good point. That's a really good. Go on with that. Yeah. That's yeah, a, they will. That's what. That's the first thing that they will they will say, and that's I, I'm. Obviously, that's obviously part of their training, part of what's been ingrained in their in their military service and and what they stand for. But I just wanted to point that out. And Seth, I'm telling you, I am hearing. I mean, what's what's going on overseas right now? And I'm talking about what's happened, you know, with the Afghanistan situation and the what happened today. You know, here it is, you know, 5 o'clock on a Friday, and we're hearing about, uh, um, Eastern time, we're hearing about how this drone strike that took place, um, you know, killed a aid worker and seven children. And General Milley didn't even have the guts to stand up and, and take the heat for that. He put one of his subordinates out there to essentially apologize for it which I think is, is a disgrace, and even more reason why that guy has got to be brought into Congress and, and questioned about this, because you and I both know, I think they did this out of, they did this in haste, they did it to just say that they did something because of the of what had happened there. Yeah, yeah, hold the, hold the thought, Steve. Hold, yeah, hold the yeah. thought, hold the thought. Bill? Do you have Joe Biden from August 31st? You've heard me talking about how nothing this administration says on COVID is held for longer than a month. Do you have Joe Biden, the audio I sent you today? Yeah, Uh, this is from August 31st. This isn't even a month old. Go ahead and give us Joe Biden. Which means we can strike terrorists and targets without American boots on the ground or very few if needed. We've shown that capacity just in the last week. We struck ISIS-K remotely, days after they murdered 13 of our service members and dozens of innocent Afghans. And to ISIS-K, we are not done with you yet. As Commander-in-Chief, I firmly believe the best path to guard our safety and our security lies in a tough, unforgiving, targeted, precise strategy that goes after terror where it is today, 
not where it was two decades ago. Everything about that is untrue. Yeah. Everything he said was untrue. He mustered it was. the strength, all the strength he could to sound like a tough commander-in-chief who sought uh, just retribution for the attack on the U.S. military at Kabul airport, saying we got him and it proves our over-the-horizon capabilities are intact and secure, and none of that turned out to be true, and 10 innocents yeah. were killed. Yeah. Seth, can you hold me over? Yeah, I sure um, can. Ten innocents, by the way, that you, that Afghan aid worker, Afghan aid worker, helping the U.S., helping the U.S. He was an Afghan aid worker helping the United States. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Steve in Tempe, thanks for sticking around. Yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, holding me over, Seth. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say, in, in addition to that, uh, as it relates to the, the absolute train wreck that's going on in Afghanistan, it has gone on in Afghanistan, I think the, a lot of people have a tendency, and this is just a, an opinion of mine, but a lot of people have a tendency to think, you know, what idiots are going to leave our weapons in our Humvees and all of our military equipment there for these guys to use? And my personal opinion is, I, you know, th- this wasn't by accident or by cluelessness that they that they that they're doing this. I think this has the fingerprints of the Obama administration all over it. I think Barack Obama, when he uh, his policies as it, rela- as it related to the Middle East was interested in a balance. He wanted to balance a balance against Israel, and this, you know, with Susan Rice being in the the Biden administration, I promise you, I think, I think, and again, this is just my opinion, but I don't think I'm wrong. I think that they have done this on purpose to create that balance against Israel. And and I'm telling you, I can't imagine if you're a military man and you're watching these guys walking around with their with your uniforms on, carrying your weapons and executing people with your weapons that you had to leave there. That's got to just be overwhelming. And I and and Seth, I'm I'm you know, you, you look at everything that's going on right now on the border. Um, you know, with the recently we saw these pictures of tens of thousands and, and tens of thousands more coming to the border. And we 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 all know that this is illegal, what they're doing. They're dispersing these people throughout the United States and putting them into different. Places you and I know US. that. So to prevent the rest of America from knowing that they change the terms and call them undocumented instead of illegal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there there comes a time when I mean, what really is is disgusting for a lot of us is the lack of outrage on the Republican side pushing back against this. We're just not seeing it. We're seeing a few people speaking out against it, but these are just outrageous things that are happening right now. And it's like, it's Seth, it's like the analogy I'm sure you've heard of, of the frog in boiling water. You put a frog in boiling water and it'll jump out but if you put it in water and then gradually turn the heat up and allow things you know the temperature to just gradually increase 
it'll uh, it'll die in boiling water. It won't jump out. And that's what seems like is happening right now. We're getting these things that are just commonplace right now that are just absolutely outrageous. And nobody's doing anything about it or saying anything about it. It's just being allowed to happen. And I listened to some of the comments that Jen Psaki's making in, in these press conferences, you know, where where she's asked a question about, well, how come these immigrants that are coming in illegally into our country, let me just let me just say this, you know, we're, we're required to be vaccinated, but they're not. Yeah. And she said, yeah, that's right. And just moved on to the next question. Yep. Yep. And. You know, Seth, it's just one thing after another, and we're not even into it. Into it, we're you know we're less than a year into disguise. You force you force obligations on Americans that you don't to illegal aliens, and you deprive rights to Americans that you give to illegal aliens. This is the this 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 is the bumper sticker for this administration. No question. And you wonder how it can go on, and you wonder how right. You wonder how you can. The first question is, how do we get here? We've spent all our lives answering that, it seems like, on this show. But the question is, how can we put up with it? How can we tolerate it? How can we uh, – how how can our fellow Americans go along with it? And these are, these are the tough ones, Steve, because <clears throat> first of all, we have to recognize – well, a lot believe in it and know it and support it. That's one thing. It's a, there's an awful lot of our fellow Americans that simply don't know this is going on. They simply don't know. I have been reminded of this again and again and again. You can't presume that what you know from listening to radio or watching Fox is what the rest of America knows. Fox and talk radio have not reached saturation point. We've reached tens of millions, but we don't necessarily reach the hundreds of millions. And there are a lot of Americans out there that simply don't know what we know. If you watch CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post, you don't know what is transpiring, what's taking place before our very eyes at the border. You would think the problem was solved. You would take the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Mallorca's word, from three months ago, four months ago, that the when he said the border – uh, the border is secure. You would take his word for that because you're the media now and you don't question this administration as most media do when it's a Republican administration and as most media did when it was any administration prior to about 1980, right? You don't have Americans in large numbers who know any of this stuff. So we've got to first show it to them. And once we show it to them, I wonder just how much, how much they will put up with it. I'm tempered in that thought by what transpired in California this week, and I've discussed it as getting used to decadence, getting used to decadence. Let's think about your frog. I don't know how far I can carry this analogy, but even though the water may be toxic, it may somehow feel good, I suppose. People would better be used to living under tyranny than they would to throwing off it and living under freedoms that they have long ago forgotten existed. This, of course, is spoken to in the Declaration of Independence with what, when talking about people putting up with long trains of abuses. I don't know how better or else to explain what's trans, what transpired in California this week. I just can't begin to grasp, regardless of politics and propaganda, how you can look at a state that pays public employees 
in some cases twice the salary of public school teachers to pick up human excrement. I can't understand how you think that this is a party of successful governance in that state when you see a rise of homelessness such that it makes walking the streets unsafe and is bringing back diseases that to the streets that we thought were long banned in the United States of America, long ago ended in the United States of America. Not talking, of course, about COVID. I don't know how you can see the increase of welfare and the increase of prices and the average price of a home skyrocketing to almost a million dollars and the regulations. I don't know how you can live in an unaffordable, crime-ridden, failed state and vote to continue it. I was listening to Dennis Prager the other day talking about how when Stalin died, people wept, and it wasn't because they did so at the point of a gun. People wept. People can be subject to propaganda. There is a reason. There is a word propaganda. It exists. Our problem is that we have let it not to just exist, but to flower and grow and let propaganda be the saturation point for America. I say let's go back to the Declaration of Independence and make truth the saturation point for America. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. The Honorable Bill Montgomery will be joining us in the next hour talking about his views of the Constitution. Bob in Phoenix. Hi, Bob. Thank you for waiting. Hey, Seth. Uh, great uh, show as always. Thanks. Uh, my uh, main interest with the Constitution has always been since I was in the sixth grade. We all memorized, and I think most of us my generation can still recite the preamble. And the part of the Constitution that is the most important to continuance today would still be that one still has the right and are able to do almost anything in this country. Yes, sir. Until you impede or infringe on the rights of others. That's right. That's, that's the most important single sentence i can think of you know in that constitution you feel a little pushed around lately oh man i i feel like i i don't think anybody in there in recent history has ever even actually studied it even these professors who claim to be constitutional you know lawyers and stuff i i don't think they understand they're the least of those who understand the worst place to learn about the Constitution in higher education is in an American law school. They don't teach the Constitution in American law schools unless you can find you know, a special elective course perhaps on it. But they don't teach the Constitution. What they teach is what people say about the Constitution. They teach the subtext, not the text. Well, you know, the, the funny thing, and you've always asked us, what's your most impressive book. Well, you know, I've got tons, but I always keep going back to Animal Farm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And slowly, the animals that are a little bit sharper than your average workhorse out there, like Fox or everything, all of a sudden they're going, you know, 
wasn't there another saying up there on the side of the barn yesterday? Suddenly, overnight, it disappeared. You know? And that's slowly what's happening to our Constitution. All those rights that you had as, as uh, four-legged animals, now, now the pigs are becoming the two-legged ones and taking over. I, I'm with you, Bob. Uh, you know, I, I was saying the other day, I don't know if it's Animal Farmer 1984, but George Orwell was the prophet we should have paid better attention to. You know, we all read him. We all read him, and we all thought fiction. We all thought dystopia. Just as we thought the kids were getting in our colleges and universities would stay in the colleges and universities. Yeah, interesting theories, not really that applicable to our world. Well, when you're talking about power, tyranny, and freedom in America, it's always applicable because that is the tension, as James Madison put it. The tension that the Constitution tries to solve, the tension between power and freedom. I'm Seth Liebson, the Honorable Bill Montgomery coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.